0: In this week's update, who fired the starter's gun on Friday, a US market that just wants to go up, and the opportunity set for multiple years to come. My name's Gary Davis, as always, this is General Advice Only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Let's start with the usual market perspective, and the the message that really came through loud and clear to finish the week in Australia. um, And... I guess has uh, always been an underlying theme in in what I've been presenting is that there's always something great happening. You've just got to know uh, whereabouts to look and and probably more importantly is how to look, how to think about the opportunities in the market and don't be guided by the media or by consensus thinking. So I'm as enthused uh, as ever. We're in uh, September. This is just about the weakest period of the year. Yet there's nothing terribly dramatic happening. It's it's just also positive in certain pockets. Um, as always, my advice has been to focus on the highest quality companies that are in megatrends that have got the tailwinds that um, being in that environment provides. There's also terrific opportunities in miners that have got some sort of X factor, be it their resource, their management, their strategic value, whatever it might be. There are also other Tremendous stocks, niche stocks outside of mining as well that come into play from time to time because of their contrarian setup. And I talked a lot about the importance of having a bit of a contrarian mindset uh, last week. So, what does one need? Well, you need a, a simple overview plan of what you want your portfolio to look like. And um, I'm just, I guess, surprised so few people that I talk to, new members coming into our services that want to start with just stock picking, you know, I like this stock and this stock and, and don't actually start with, well, what do I want the composition of my portfolio to look like? And then, and then break it up into sections and work from there. And it's such an easier process to, um, to do. So my advice would be to get that simple overview, uh, break it into defined categories, according to the parameters that are important for you. And I, you know, I regularly, um, give people assistance in how to, how to think about that. And it really is a pretty straightforward process, but it just doesn't come naturally to most people. And then once you've got the categories identified and the, and the very rough weightings, you start to identify the targets within each category and then identify some rough entry zones. And that really, you know, makes the whole process, um, very much, um, unemotional and and data driven it's it's not it's not based on the the emotions of of what you think you might like or or what the media might be talking about at the moment and then of course the most important ingredient and perhaps the most difficult thing to do is then to wait for the opportunities that come and execute with confidence and it's look it's not it's not that easy because we've got this constant battle with what's going on in our head, but it's certainly, um, it's certainly the way to go about getting uh, consistent success in the market. So let's have a look at, at what, is, what is the US market up against? So the US market sets the sentiment tone for the rest of the world. So even though you may not um, trade or invest there, it certainly has an impact on what we do. And I could come up with a very long list here, but here's just a few. We've got yields rising again. We've got oil prices now beyond $90 and all of the negative implications that that has for inflation and the economy. We've got lawsuits against big tech, not only in America, but also in Europe. We've got a coordinated strike action against the auto industry in America, and who knows where that's going to lead, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on For some time and come up with a huge list of negatives as to why the S&P 500 should not be rising. But you know what? It just is. And it just seems to want to go up. And we'll have a look at that chart in just a minute. And in fact, the S&P is up 15% uh, since January of this year. So that's pretty amazing when you consider the backdrop. So it all goes to prove that logic, the news, The predictions, they all count for naught. And again, I covered some of this uh, last week. And, you know, it's pretty graphic when you look at some of the high-profile predictions that that are out there that would just scare the pants off you, the market falling 80%, etc. And, you know, they just generally don't come to anything. So, let's have a look at the American stocks to start with, Um, the S&P, uh, it was down 0.2% across the week, but it was options expiry week. Friday was negative um, and often, in fact, nearly always, <clears throat> the price actions can be extremely short-term counter to the, the prevailing trends. And really, I think if you place much weight on what happened in the few days before options expiry or the few days following options expiry, then you're probably getting a very misleading picture. So probably best just to, you know, just ignore that that little period of of price action. There are plenty of transient events that continue to create just some wonderful medium term and long term opportunities, and we we see those every week. There were there were plenty more. Friday there was some um, concerns in the semiconductor market because of some data out of Taiwan semiconductors. Um, but, you know, who knows what the headline will be next week and how the re- how the market will respond to that. US dollar index continues its breakout up a little bit further, 105.3. The 10-year yield is up to uh, 4.33. Uh, the VIX, uh, 13.8. So it's sort of staying pretty stable as Sure, the market was down, but there wasn't really that much fear in the market. And the 10-year-two-year spread is still singing the same song, uh, roughly 0.7 negative indicating a recession is um is still coming, but the bond market's been saying that for quite some time now. All right, let's uh first of all, let's just have a look at the bond yields. <clears throat> so this is the 10-year. We'll take a look over the last six months. So you can see it's been a few ups and downs, but there's no question the trend is still to the upside. And yet, the market is—you know—the the market sold off in 2022 because of fears that the yield would do this. Now that the yield is doing this, the market is going up. So the the equities market is is looking over the fence. It's looking beyond um, what is happening in the bond market at the moment and expecting things to be quite different. So. One of those two markets is um, has got it wrong, um, and I'm not going to ha- hazard a guess which one that is. Just at the moment, there are terrific opportunities in the US. There are terrific opportunities in Australia, and um, I'm just working those according to a plan and, and not worrying too much about the other. I'll uh, I'll come back to um, to the oil price chart shortly, but let's start first of all with the S and P. So this um, dotted line here is calendar year. 2023 and this is the story we've you know it's been a bit volatile we certainly were volatile in um in February and early March significant dip then we recovered we've had another dip just recently but through all that the S&P is maintaining a trend that has propelled it so far and we're only nine months through we're not even nine months through yet and the market is up 15% so it's possible with the with the uh, year end surge that the S and P could top twenty percent, and there was no hardly anyone at the start of the year was was talking about the S and P being up more than twenty percent. So you've just really got to observe and respond rather than try to anticipate. Is um, is the bottom line? All right, let's look at the inter. Oh, you know, before I do that, I'll just look at uh, IWM. So let's have a look at the Russell. <laughs> Um, not so much of a trend here. Looked great for a while. peaked out here in July with a, with a double top and, and since has really been struggling a bit. So the breadth of the U S market is, is not all that flash. I would have to say, but nevertheless, the, the S and P is, um, is doing what it's doing. Okay. Let's take a look now at the individual, um, parts of the market to give us an idea of where the money flows are going, if anything has changed there. There's the NASDAQ versus the S&P, no change. So nothing different there. They're still roughly in balance. In the last week, semiconductors has come off a little bit relative to the S&P, so they've been a bit weaker. But nevertheless, we're still just consolidating um, tremendous gains that we'd had. Uh, we've been consolidating now for around three or four months. Um but the low of that ratio occurred in October last year, and it's been strongly to the upside. Semiconductors a little bit out of favour at the moment, so maybe you know there could be a contrarian opportunity there if it if it dips um, sufficiently. Now let's take a look now at um, at the individual sectors. We'll start first of all with uh, the last. Um, in fact, let's look at the last year. So up the top, we've got our aggressive sectors, technology, communication services. Then we've got energy. Um, discretionary is sort of down here in the middle of the pack, but because of the dominance of Tesla and Amazon, I kind of largely ignore that one now. Um, so that is what this year has looked like. And, And at the bottom we've got consumer staples, which is obviously defensive. We've got healthcare, which is defensive. So that's the story of the year in the S and P. Let's zero in to the last uh, quarter, <clears throat> and you can see XLE has been a um, has been a massive um, success uh, over the last quarter. XLC we've got some improvement in finances, um, and then we've got XLK has sort of really dropped quite a lot in the last. In the last week or two, and so if we zero in on that timeframe, you can see XLK right at the bottom. So, despite the fact that you know a lot of people always talk about big tech and how it dominates the S and P, and that's the only reason the S and is going up. Well, you know, the S and P was only down put two percent over the week, and um, and it's been reasonably stable over the last few weeks. And yet, look at what XLK. Has done over that period, it's just dropped through the floor on a relative basis. So, pretty interesting to look at that sort of chart because it gives you often quite a very different picture to what the medium is um, is painting. I just want to zero in on a couple of other charts. So let's just look at um, at technology um, as the index, not as a, a comparative. Um, chart to other charts so that's xlk so you can see really it's not much more than a consolidation really it looked a bit ugly on a relative sector basis but there's nothing terribly scary about that chart 200 day moving average is still heading up very nicely Um, we're getting a little bit of sideways action now from the shorter term moving averages this um, this just looks like a bit of a consolidation at this point in time this is XLE. We're, we're back now to the highs that we were at in um, November of last year. So certainly it's had um, a good couple of months in energy. And of course, uranium, if you haven't picked up on the fact that uranium is doing incredibly well uh, of late, then this chart, weekly chart of uh, URA, which is uranium um, producers, pretty much tells the story. And you can see you know, great breakout, great candle, terrific volume. There's um, lots of good things happening in uranium. But look, that story was, you know, the the opportunity time to get into that was earlier in the year. It's, it's had a very significant run. So, you know, don't, don't be too anxious to just go and jump into some uranium stocks because there could be, we've had such a powerful run in the last few weeks. We could just get a bit of a short-term pullback. there could be another opportunity building there and just to touch on currencies while we're here there's the us dollar index um, bottomed out in the middle of july and it's been pretty much straight up since then and the australian dollar has of course pretty much gone the opposite direction Okay, Aussie stocks, our dollar sixty three point seven. our market gained 1.7% across the week. It was a very strong finish on Friday. Um, but if you pan back and take a bigger picture look, as we'll see, our, our index is, is an index going nowhere and hasn't done anything for more than three years. But the overwhelming, overwhelming message is that um, we've now got evidence of a rotation out of defensives and into growth stocks again. We're through our earnings season, and I think it's, um, it's really um, instructive that the money flows in Australia have, um, have changed around quite significantly. Um, the reaction to earnings season is always about not the result, it's about the, expect- the result relative to expectations. So, you know, I still get questions from people saying, you know, why the the company came out with a good result, why did the price go down? Well, the price went down because the good result just didn't meet expectations. So the result itself is is not the driver of the price. It's what were the expectations and what is the forward outlook. Pricing power is king. You'll find that um, nearly all of the stocks that are doing really well, that are trending strongly at the moment, are generally stocks that have got pricing power, and they were the ones that, um, that got a good reception during earnings season. Quality small caps have been a contrarian trade, and I'm talking about real quality stocks, stocks that deserve to be significantly higher in their PE multiple than they currently are. Um, that's been a contrarian trade for some time, and it's it's taking a while to to click into gear because there's still quite a lot of quality small caps that are still trading on PE ratios that are much lower than than they should be, um, and eventually that corrects itself. So it is coming, but as with uranium, we had to wait several years for the logic of and the, and the true situation around supply and demand in the uranium market to actually kick in. So my advice would be, if you know, that's an area of the market that you want to be in, that you you know, get some targets lined up, get some rough entry areas lined up. Have a bit of patience, and I think um, over the next couple of years you might get a very good result in small caps. The finish in Australia on Friday was was quite startling. Again, not so much at the index level. I think we're up around one point three percent on Friday, which is yeah, that's that's a pretty decent day. But um, the the a lot of the stocks that are in our portfolios did far, far better than that. And, uh, and outside of the portfolios as well. So the, a lot of tremendous individual great performers on Friday. Let's take a look at the um, Aussie indices, so the six two hundred. So you can see really strong day Friday if we pan right back, you can see we're just at the same level as we were at in um, in 2021. And if we go back a bit further, we're at the same level as the peak in February of 2020 before COVID hit. So really an an index that's going absolutely nowhere, but within that, some uh, tremendous opportunities. Energy, not as strong here. It's nowhere near as strong here as it has been in the States. And I think part of that is perhaps the regulatory environment that's, um, that's now beset the energy market in Australia, makes it very difficult to fill. Sorry, that's finance at the wrong chart. Um, but look, while I'm on it, finance not really doing anything either. So finance has not moved since February of 2020. So three and a half years, there's the energy sector, apologies for that, um, but the energy sector is still only, hasn't quite returned to the highs of uh, 2018 and 2020, and has really been consolidating since uh, all year. So the Australian energy market is not as strong as uh, as in the US. Healthcare still in the doldrums. There's been some real compression of um, of PE multiples in the healthcare sector. Um there's the ASX 200 and finally materials materials was the strongest sector on Friday and there was some data out of China that certainly um certainly helped that that sentiment all right precious metals gold up five dollars to 1924 Um, but we've been stuck in this range now for about three years that's why I've been saying for a long time that I've I've really moved away from gold producers I've I've moved um exclusively to uh, advanced gold developers, the, the real world-class stocks, where it's almost a given that you're going to get a share price increase in the future based on the de-risking of the process uh, or the project. So not much happening there in gold. We're slightly lower in, uh, in Aussie dollars at 3020. And um, yeah, producers are pretty much saying the same thing in the gold market so we'll have just have a quick peek at that so there's gold on a weekly basis so you've got to go back here to July 2020 and we're still trading at the same level it's just been going up and down sideways and that's the daily if you remember that chart and then look at GDXJ looks exactly the same so yeah, there's really not not a lot happening in the um, in the producer side of the gold market, but as I said, it's the it's the developers that have got some sort of X factor, some sort of world class resource, proven management that gets the job done. Whatever it might be, um, that's that's where the value uplift is uh, is going to come in the next um, couple of years. That one last week. turned into other commodities. Copper is at three dollars eighty, up a little bit. Nickel also up just a tad to nine oh two, but crude oil was the big story of the week, up to ninety one point uh, two. So why is that? What's driving the crude price? Well, the demand is not dropping off as expected, and I've been saying that for two or three years now that um that the demand would not drop away, and the same things happening coal. You know, consensus thinking was that. Um, the demand for coal would just fall off a cliff but it hasn't saudi and arabia have um have sorry saudi and the russians have uh cut uh, cut production um and that combined with the fact that demand has not dropped as is creating this imbalance it's becoming more and more obvious that the economics around renewables don't work yet and this Germany has had to uh, put in place uh, an incredible turnaround. They've shut down the nuclear industry, but they've now had to stop coal. And I believe buying power from, uh, from France, because the economics of renewables just don't work and the practicalities of renewables don't work yet. It's not to say that they won't, but it's, you know, the world has tried to engineer this transition just too quickly. We've also got the US strategic reserves are still low, so there's there's a requirement for more buying there. But with the oil price up at uh, plus 90, then who knows, Joe Biden might decide to release some more from the strategic reserve that's still too low. Who knows? Capable of anything over there. Uh, Of course, the high oil price feeds into inflation, but then on the other hand, it takes money out of retail pockets. Because everything gets more expensive. So how does that balance work out? I think that's for minds smarter than mine to think about. But um, the interesting question is, where does that leave the Fed? The the Fed has to make a decision about whether they raise interest rates again or not. Um, it's, It's quite a dilemma for the Fed. There's a lot of very conflicting directions. We've got inflation going down. We've got oil prices going up. You know, gazing into the future and trying to work out what it's going to look like in six to 12 months' time is no easy feat, that's for sure. Let's take a look at the crude oil chart just to give you a sense of what crude oil has done. So we'll look over the last uh, six months and you can see pretty much straight up since um, late July and we're now exceeding the peaks and if we look at the year to date then it's it's the same picture so we're at the highest uh, prices for crude oil that uh, that we've seen all year this is oops sorry there's spot copper chart not much happening same with nickel so we're not getting the response yet in uh, in the base metals wrapping it up the best opportunities arise when few people are looking there by definition. If you want to buy into a crowded trade, if you want to buy into a popular trade, then just think about it. It's popular because most people are in it. So who's left to buy? And what happens if a few people decide to sell? Flip it over the other way and think, well, if we've got a quality company And the price is down for whatever reason—short-term reasons, misperception, whatever it might be. Then there's, you know, if 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 no one is um, is really looking there, then you know the selling has probably been done. It just takes an opportunity for something to turn that uh, turn that around in terms of sentiment, and and you've got a new you've got a new uptrend potentially on your plate. So, the important thing is to break out of the the comfort cycle, the consensus cycle of thinking, which is very easy to slip into. You just you know it's more comfortable just to do what everybody else is doing, but it's not where the money is made. you know if that's all you do, if you just go with consensus, go with the media, then you know you, you're never going to get as good a return as if you try and look at it from the, from the opposite side. You want to look where others are not looking in the short term. So that all starts. How do you do that? How do you go against the crowd? Well, it all starts with some clear planning and perspective on where the bigger picture is going. What are the mega trends? Where are the earnings certainties, if you like? And take it from there, as I outlined earlier. And and we do a lot of that in um, in both services, both portfolio analyst and and the insiders club we well, follow analysts last week. Following on from last Sunday, we we did look at multiple contrarian opportunities, of which there are um, quite a number. We also looked at why planning for the next bear market is a self defeating thought process. You, you know, if, if you're trying to anticipate what the market is doing and position yourself um, accordingly, then you, you know you you're probably going to get off on the wrong foot because unless you get lucky and and you're um, you know, your prediction turns out to be true, which would be just pure luck, then you're going to end up positioned completely upside down. So it's not a good thing to do. That's it for this week. There's more information on the website. Here's my email address, and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.